This is the Life Church Podcast. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. And if you're joining us online again, thank you for uh, being with us. I always want to say tuning in, but that's it's just clicking. <laughs> Thanks for clicking today. Um, good to see you all here this morning. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. Um, before I get started, I wanted to just share my appreciation for my wife. Uh, she's just an, an incredible woman, rock star mom. Recently, um, she recently she, we, we made the decision. She made the decision that she was going to stay home with the kids um, more regularly, and uh, she just makes it look so easy. Yesterday, uh, she left me home with the kids for about f- five hours, and uh, we have a new. A new son, he's pretty new to the, the family. He's four months old, and uh, man, it, it quickly descended into insanity very quickly. I was like, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I know my way around a diaper, and kid, you know, I'm pretty uh, involved dad, but um, she left. I was like, this is going to be no problem. We got all this stuff we're going to do, and all of a sudden, I hear strange noises coming from my son, and I look over, and he's just covered in his own, you know, poop, and I thought, okay, no problem. Uh, so I got him, cleaned him all up, put him back, and you know we're hanging out. A few minutes later, I hear the same noises, and I'm like, and I go over, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me again?" And he just had the rotavirus shot, and so I'm like very concerned about getting it on my hands or eyeballs or whatever. And uh, and it was, I'm sorry if this is grossing you out, but just got to give you some insight into my life. Uh, and so I'm like trying to clean him up. And it was like one of those times where you clean him up and you're like, what, how did you get it there? And you're giving him this like baby wipes bath, you know, you're like holding him upside down and Evie's sitting there like, dad, I don't think that's how mom does it. And I'm like, if you're not, if you're not going to help, I need you to leave. <laughs> all right. We got them all, got them all cleaned up. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to put on a movie. Dean, you're going to go take a nap, whether you're tired or not. And, uh, daddy needs some daddy time. So that was like an hour and a half into it. <laughs> So mom, moms, you're, Kayla, you are amazing. You make it look easy. And moms, you are rock stars. Um, this morning, we're continuing on in the series, Eight Hills, Some Things Are Worth Dying For. It's a series really uh, speaking on the core values of who we are as Life Church, the things that we deem the most important parts of who we are, and uh, things that we're going to take a stand on, the culture in which we're going to protect, the proverbial hills and that we're going we're gonna to say, this is a hill that I'm going to die on. And so Pastor Rich has talked to us about biblical truth, about how uh, scripture and the life of Jesus is something that we can base and live our life off of. He talked about God's love and how God's love is available to each one of us. And this is a empowering agent in our life. Last week he talked about passionate spirituality and about how Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to live the life that God has called us to. And I want to encourage you to come back next week. Um, Pastor Rich will be preaching on um, authenticity, which is really just... If you know Pastor Rich, is just who he, who he is. And so he's got a, a word burning on his heart. And uh, so you're not going to want to miss next, next week. But today we're talking about connected community. Connected community. And uh, we've defined that by this. We are not meant to, le- to be solitary disciples of Jesus. But meaningful relationships with other followers spur us on to be everything that God created us to be. That's... Man, that's good news right there. That's great. And you'll hear us say a lot that we were made uh, for one another. We need each other. I need you. You need me. God made us for relationship with him, but he also made us to be in relationship with with each other. And uh, so that's good news. We won't be able to accomplish everything that we need to accomplish without. 
without each other. And you know, I know, I know the church is imperfect. I know we miss it at times. I've been around long enough to see Christians do not so Christian things. Well, you know, Life Church is imperfect. There's not a perfect church out there. Pastor Rich is not perfect. He's about as close as you can get, but he's not, he's not quite there. But there's no perfect church. But I want you to know today that God loves this church. God loves the church. Big, big C church worldwide. God loves the church. In fact, that's why Jesus died, is so that we could be his bride. And God is our Father. And Jesus has taken us in. He sacrificed everything so that we could have a relationship again and bring us in. And, and we're no longer orphans, like Pastor Rich said, but now we are called sons and daughters. We're grafted into this thing. And while the church is not perfect, God loves the church. Jesus loves, loves, loves the church. And, you know, I've been in ministry almost 15 years now, and I've had hundreds of conversations with people that would say, you know what, Tony, I love Jesus, but I just I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I just don't like the church. The church is hypocritical. The church is mean. The church is ugly. And I don't dispute that those, the church is those things sometimes, but God loves the church. Jesus loves the church. And to say that you love Jesus and don't love the church, those things don't compute. That's like saying to me, Tony, I love you, man. You're one of my close, closest friends. I love you, but I hate your wife. She is ugly. She is mean. I don't like her. I would, old Tony would have a different response. <laughs> The new Tony, <laughs> who loves Jesus, you know, I would still have a relationship with you. I would still love you. But there's only so far our relationship can go before we reach this impasse. And so if you're struggling with the love for the church, I would ask you this morning to say, God, give me your heart for the church. Help me to see past the imperfections. Help me to have grace. Help me to have a deep love and respect for this, this family. Because that's really what this is. Church is not a business. Church is not just this, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. The church is a family. Church is a family. And while it doesn't always conduct itself in that way, I believe that's the way God designed it. And sometimes, and I've been, honestly, I've been really wrestling with this, with this this week because how do I communicate this without sounding like heavy-handed or like I'm mad at anybody? I'm not. But I've wrestled with this throughout my walk with the Lord is, God, this is what your word says is your best this is what you desire. This is your ideal. But that's not what we always experience. And so we notice that there's a disparity between the two. So what do we do to reconcile it? Either we, we say, well, there's something wrong with the standard, so we need to change that to fit our own experience. But that leads us down a road that, go, that takes us very wrong. Or we say, there's something must be amiss in us. There must be something that needs changing or transforming in us because it's not lining up with what we read that God's desire for us, his plan for us is. And I would conclude this morning that it's the latter, that there's no lack with God, that if there's a lack, it's with, 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 with us. And there's times we have to come to terms with things and say, God, all right, I, I, want, I want your heart for things. I want your heart for this. I want, you to see, I want to see this thing like, like you've designed it, which is a family. Because in a lot of ways, the Western church, we've, we've kind of turned this into, we've had this kind of consumer mentality with the church. Where we come in wanting to be served. We come in and it's almost transactional. We come in each week and we take what we need and then we go on our way. And there's no investment of ourselves or, or anything in this. 
And we're really robbing ourselves and robbing each other of genuine and, and in-depth relationship with one another. The richness and fullness that comes with walking along other, with, with other believers. But this church, church is a family. And if we can change our perspective of how we see things, there's no place, there's no room for the consumer-like mentality. that we would desire to invest everything that we are in, into one another more than the name on a church, more than the name of a denomination or a denomination or even a pastor, but that we would be committed to one another as a body, as a family. So this morning, if you have your Bible, we're gonna be in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Acts is right after the Gospels. I love this chapter because so much happens in a very short amount of time. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you read like the Old Testament, you read like two chapters, and you don't realize that a couple hundred years had passed <laughs> in those chapters. Well, here, that's not the case. It's just a very, uh, a very much happens in just a very small amount of time. To give you some context, this is the birth of the new church. And so in John 20, we read about how the disciples are all cowering in a, in, in a room locked somewhere in Jerusalem. And Jesus had been crucified, and they, they don't know that he's been res resurrected yet. And so they're all waiting for, at any moment, some soldiers to barge in and to arrest them and kill them or put them in prison. And so they're waiting, and they're afraid. And all of a sudden, Jesus, who's risen, he appears to them. It says he, he comes through the wall, and he appears to them. And they're freaked out. Wouldn't that freak you out? If you're like, Jesus is dead, this is, everything didn't go according to plan, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, he came through the wall. This is crazy. And they don't really believe it's him. I don't blame them. But he said, Jesus shows them his hands and his feet and his side, and they say, well, it is you. And he says, yeah, I know. I've been telling you that. But then something interesting happens. Jesus does this. He, he says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit comes and takes residence, and they're the very first new covenant believers. But then he says, now wait, because not long from now, the promise of the Father, which I've been talking about for years, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And it's going to come upon you, and you're going to be endured with, endued with power to be a witness, not just here, but all over the world. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus hangs out with them for about 40 days and then descends into, uh, ascends into heaven. And, and then shortly after that, they're all seeking and praying the Lord. About 120 of them are in this upper room, and they're seeking the Lord. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes, literally like a rushing wind, and fills the room, and tongues of fire sit on top of each one of their heads, and they start speaking in these languages they don't know. And this power comes upon their lives. They're not, no longer able to live the way that they were living before. They're able to walk in power in the things that God has called them to. And now these people who are afraid, who are cowering, are all of a sudden going out in the streets. And at this time in Jerusalem, the Jews were, were observing the Feast of Pentecost. So people were there all over the world in Jerusalem. So they go out and they start preaching and prophesying and sharing the love of Jesus. And then Peter gets up and preaches the message of his life. This is the same Peter who denied, him, denied Jesus to a 14-year-old girl. This is the same Peter who, who, who was a coward. This is the same Peter who was always trying to jock for position with the other disciples about who was best. It's the same insecure Peter, now all of a sudden is standing up in front of the very people who crucified Jesus. And 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day. 
So some of those people, they stayed from, they had come from all over the world. Some of them stayed in the church in Jerusalem, and some of them went back to their own countries. And, and just like that, the gospel is spread all over the world. Isn't that awesome? That was really cool. So that's where we are now. So this is shortly after that. And so in verse 42, in Acts chapter 2, it says this. It says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer, and everyone kept feeling the sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's an exciting time. So it's important to remember when we're reading this, this is like a very raw infancy form of the, God, of the church, right? So they're not really very organized. They're kind of trying to figure it out as they go. So the important thing is when we're reading this, it's not necessarily to, to look at how they organize themselves, but more or less to see the culture of the, the family-like culture in which they lived the heart that they had for one another, the commitment that they had to one another and to personal growth. How they operated as a family. So we start out, and it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and the breaking of bread. First thing is this, is family is about building people. Family is about raising up people. Here at Life Church, we talk about... Uh, cultivating an atmosphere in which people can become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're about raising up people and sending them out, that we would grow up out of our immaturity and out of our, inf our spiritual infancy into mothers and fathers. That's what we're doing here. We're not raising sons and daughters. We're raising mothers and fathers. When you're raising your kids, when we raise our kids, we're not raising them so they'll just be good boys and girls. We're raising them with one day the hopes that they'll go out into the world and they will affect change in this world that they would be people, men and women of influence in this world, people who radically love Jesus and obey him. That's what, we're, that's what we're after. That's the goal. But it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word fellowship, um, the English word doesn't ac accurately translate. It really, it means like an intimate family uh, closeness, like relationship. They were committed and devoted to one another. They were accountable to each other. There was a deep love and respect for one another. There was a commitment to prayer and to remembering what Jesus had done for them. And so with that comes more maturity and comes more growth. Maturity is, is family talk. We talk about maturity in families, right? Businesses don't care about your family unless you have a business that's called maturity for you or something, right? Maturity is family talk. I was in a local cell phone company this week. I won't tell you who, but they were not concerned about my personal growth or my maturity, right? They had great customer service, but they did not care about that. They wanted my money, in which they got. But that's, that's what they were after, right? And that's what I had come there for. But, but family is about maturity, Family is about taking hold of, of your life and taking some personal responsibility and saying, I'm going to go run after these things. 
You know, I think that sometimes we hope that someone, and we probably don't consciously think this, but I think there's sometimes we hope that someone would live this Christian life for us. Or we maybe hope the church would build for us something that would help me fulfill the call of God in my life. And listen, I'm all for structure. I'm all for organization. I'm all for uh, creating more opportunities for us to step out into our call. But there comes a time in our life where we have to take responsibility for the things that God has called us to, for our own personal growth. You know, my daughter, she's four. She needs structure at that age. She needs someone to tell her to brush her teeth. She needs someone to tell her that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bathe tonight. You smell, right? She needs someone to say, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to eat just chocolate and cookies today. We're gonna have, we need, you're not going to live very long if you keep doing that, right? We need that structure, But there comes a day when you can't live your life in that place anymore, where you have to, she grows, she's 15 or 20 years old, and she still needs daddy to come, or mommy to come tell her what to eat and what not to eat, how to change her underwear, how to bathe, right? Something is seriously amiss. Something is wrong. And there comes a point in our life where we have to say, I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to pursue wholeness in my life. I'm going to start pursuing the right things. And part of the church is equipping one another to do that and helping and guiding and supporting. But there comes a time in our life where no one else can live this life for you. We have to resolve in our heart that, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to move forward in you. I might have these areas of unhealth in my life, but now I'm going to start pursuing things that are healthy. And ultimately, it's God who transforms the heart, right? It's God who makes the change, but it's our job to pursue in this partnership with him. So if you have unhealth in your marriage, pursue things that are going to be health, that are going to cause health to grow. If you have area of hurt that you've been struggling in for years and years and years and years and you just keep spinning your, your wheels, I encourage you, pursue things that are going to get you healthy. If you, need healthy. if you need good Christian counseling in your life, pursue that, please. We're robbing ourselves sometimes when we're expecting everybody else to live this life for us. When God is saying, no, I have something more for you. It's important that we pursue maturity and wholeness. Uh, Continuing on uh, in verse 44, it says, And everyone kept feeling this sense of awe. And many signs and wonders were taking place to the the apostles. This was kind of the natural byproduct of the way that they were living. Is all of a sudden all these crazy things were happening among them. People were getting healed. Many miracles were happening. And that's a phrase we see often throughout the whole book of Acts. Is like, and they all stood in amazement at what God had done. Or the fear of the Lord came upon them because of how this crazy thing that God did. That's a natu- natural fruit that follows. In verse 44, it says, And those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Family is about being known. I don't know about you and your, your immediate family, but it's hard to hide in your family, right? <laughs> Everybody knows everything about you. They've been together for a long time. The family's not about the crowd. crowd. We can be enamored by the crowd, and it's great. I, I think it's awesome that we have over 800 people here on a Sunday morning, but the, the goal is to be known, each one of us to be known and accepted. When it says they were together here, it means more than they were just in the same room. It means they were together in step, in sync with one another, pursuing the same things. And it said they had all things in common. And that phrase in the Greek doesn't mean that they, had, they all liked the same things. They all, that didn't imply uniformity. It didn't, it didn't mean that they were, had all things in common. What it means is that they all belonged. And they were all accepted. And each one of us, we have this desire, we have this longing in our hearts for, to be accepted with no pretense, 
just to be accepted, to belong somewhere. And I believe that's one of the reasons God created the church, is this is a place that we can come from all over the planet, brothers and sisters born of the same father, and we can belong and be accepted. We can be known. But it's a, it's a scary thing to be known, to put yourself out there. Relationships are a risk, are they not? To be vulnerable and open, allow someone into your life can be risky. It can be difficult, but it's the only way forward. And then there's the other side of it. There's someone else that has to be willing to receive that person, to make a new best friend, maybe. To say, I'm willing to walk with you. But we can't afford to just sit in the background or just sit on our hands when God has something that he wants to do with your life. Family is about being known. It's about a place where we belong and we're, and we're, and we're accepted. Continuing on, it says this, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them with all as anyone might have need. I want to note this morning that this is not um, an experiment in communism or socialism or anything like that. There was no mandate on the disciples from the disciples saying, you must do this. But what it was is they were so moved in their heart, they were so committed to this family, this group of people, that if anyone was need, had need or was struggling, they were there for each other. They picked each other up. They were arm in arm together. Family contributes. Family pitches in. Family is generous with one another. Family is not, is not a tit-for-tat type deal. Family contributes. You know, I come from a big family. There's seven kids. We're a blended family, and most of us are married. And so, like, at Christmas time, it gets crazy. Uh, there's, like, I don't know, 13 or 14-year-old kids under the age of eight. And so it's just a lot of humans in one house. It's crazy. And it's, it's a type of situation that's like an all, all hands on deck, right? We all pitch in. We all uh, help with the dishes. We all help with meals. We all help clean up. If somebody, somebody's kid is about to fall down the stairs, we don't say, oh, that's not my kid, right? We grab them. <laughs> so we're family. That's what we do. Family contributes. You know, I, I was thinking this week, how ridiculous it would be if I were to walk into my house. And, and growing up, we had a, like, a, kind of an open fridge policy, op- make yourself at home kind of place, even if you're a guest. And so I just, I imagine me walking in to my, my home and uh, waiting for my dad to take my bag downstairs to our room that was prepared and, and sitting down. Even the word, these words as they're coming out of my mouth, they just sound so absurd and ridiculous. I imagine sitting down on the couch and saying, Someone going to get me a glass of Coke with ice? If I said those words, I, 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 somebody would probably throw a glass of Coke at me. <laughs> like, no, get your own. You know exactly where it is. Go get it. <laughs> Sometimes we walk into church and we are waiting to be served, and I'm all about hospitality. I'm all about hospitality. I'm all about uh, making the guests feel special. But there comes a time in our life where we are part of the family, and now we serve. Now we contribute. Now we give. And it's no longer about us and meeting our needs, but it's about being a part of meeting the needs of others. In my family, in our immediate family, like Kayla and I and our kids, we, we say everybody helps. Everybody helps. So when we clean up for supper, everybody helps. There's a few exemptions. Dean, he's only four months old, so he barely knows that he has arms. <laughs> right? And so he, he can't really do anything. So he's incapable 
and, they, and he's immature, but there's going to come a day where he's expected to help. Evie, she's limited. She's only so tall, and so there's only so much she can do, but she has what she has to give, she gives. And we all help. We all pitch in. That's what family does. You know, I can tell you that I don't feel the strong calling on my life to wash the dishes. I don't feel like, God, you put me on this planet to wash dishes. Or I don't, God, I... I I don't feel like my, my call is to wipe poop off of my son. That's not the calling that you've placed on my life. But we do it because that's what family does. And I'm going to shameless plug this morning that we have needs in, in kids' ministry for people that would pour into our kids. We have needs in, in hospitality. We have needs at the tech booth. And it's no longer about a call. It's more, more than that. It's about family and saying, you know what, I maybe don't feel super equipped to do that, but I'm willing to learn, and I'm willing to give. I'm willing to pitch in. I'm willing to serve because that's what family does. Everybody pitches in. The only ones that don't are those in immaturity and those who are incapable. Forty-six, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind and in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Family is unified. Family sticks together. It says that they were, again, it says that word together. They loved to be with one another. They would eat meals together and they would spend time together. They would go to church together. They loved being around one another. One of my favorite times is on a Sunday is seeing many of you just talking with people and laughing that's going on, you know, just a, a house that's alive, that's awesome. I want to encourage you, if you see somebody standing by your, themselves, to go introduce yourself. I think sometimes as adults, it's hard. We um, forget how to make friends. <laughs> Have you found that to be true? It's hard to make friends. There's a proverb that says, he who desires friends must he himself be friendly. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's important that we're, we're in unity with each other. It doesn't mean that we always agree that there's not disagreement or frustrations that happen. But we, we have a leader, and we follow that leader. It's not blindly. But there's a commitment to one another. There's a loyalty to each other. That's why a division is talked very seriously about in this word. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you have an offense or a hurt from somebody in this body Either do two, one of two things. You can either reconcile it in your own heart and let it go or go to that person and do whatever is possible as much as it depends on you to, to live at peace with them, to make it right. Because God has so much that he wants to accomplish through us and it's those little foxes that will spoil the whole vineyard. It's those little things that will cause division and take our mind off where God wants us to go. Family sticks together. Family doesn't split when things get difficult. You know, there was a time when I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20, and I say this every time because I'm going to, just so you know, that Jesus radically changed my life when I was 20 years old. I was an addict, an addict, an alcoholic, suicidal, and Jesus radically changed my life. And so I, I jumped headfirst into church life and not knowing even what I was expecting. And at that time in the church that I grew up in, um, our pastor, who had been there for 25 years, um, died of liver cancer. 
And there was no plan after he died of what was going to happen. So now we had this huge church, 2,000 people, that all of a sudden was just descending into chaos. And I remember going to different meetings, uh, church-wide meetings, and seeing men that I loved and respected acting like five-year-old children having tantrums. And all these little whisperings happening behind, behind the scenes and, politi- and political stuff going on. And it was just gross. God saw the church through that time. But it was a dark, dark time in the history of the church. And I, I remember talking to my dad about it. And I was like, Dad, I, just, I don't think, if this is what this is like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I want to do this. This is gross. He said, Tony, this is not a, an accurate representation of God's church. And I said, well, Dad, why don't you leave? Like, at that time, I was interning at the church. So I'm like, I work here. I, I need this paycheck, so I can't leave. But why don't you leave? He said, Tony, why would I leave? He said, I've committed myself to these people, to this body, more than the pastor, more than a name on a church, more than a denomination. I've committed myself, and they've seen me through some of the most difficult times in my life. And I'm not going to leave now that things are getting tough. When we need to stick together the most, I'm not going to cut out. And this morning, I don't want you to hear this and say that there's never a reason to leave a church there are, but sometimes we can be so fickle. Sometimes we can say, you know what? They don't sing the songs that I like. It's not the style that I like. Or pastor, he doesn't preach. Uh, he preached on this, and I don't really like that. Or they don't have carpet. <laughs> and we can be so fickle, and we sacrifice this thing on the altar of preference, personal preference, when saying, God, there's some things that are just more important than others, and this is family, and family sticks together. Amen? Verse 47, it says this, Praising God and having favor with all people, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. They're running after the right things, and because of it, God was adding to their number Day by day, those were being saved. As we steward the things of God well, he gives us more. Like Pastor Rich there's this, said this morning, there's this burning desire in our hearts that more people would come to know Jesus. And God has chosen the vehicle of the church as the way in which he's going to show his love to the world. And so we can't afford... We can't afford to get caught up in all these other little things because God, he has so much more. He has so much more and there's so many people that need to hear this message and experience the love of this family together. That we get caught up in the small things, the little things, the inconsequential things. We all have this desire to belong, to be a part, to come to a place that's safe, this world could be a discouraging place. And every, every Sunday, this is, it's like Christmas. We come together and we see each other and we focus, but it's not all about Sunday because we go back out into the world. And so this is an equipping ground where people are raised up and sent out. But I want you to know this isn't, this isn't Pastor Rich's deal. This isn't Life Church's deal. It's not just like our thing and you guys are coming along for the ride. This is a family ordeal. This is a family thing that we bind together. We say, God, we're gonna go after you no matter what. God, we're gonna go after you and people are gonna know you because of how we love each other. Would you stand this morning? God loves his church. 
God loves this church. And there might be some of you I've experienced in my, myself that have, have had hurt in your life from the church. And I'm not going to minimize that in any way. I, I've known the church and, uh, for many years and, and, and seen them do things. But God, that doesn't, that doesn't degrade God's best. It doesn't mean that, we, that, that God's best can't be known in our life. Right? We need to be in one mind. We need to be together. We need to be running after the same things. And so maybe this morning you just are saying, there's a hurt in my heart that I, that I want God to heal. Or I haven't really taken hold of maturity in my life like I should have. I've been counting on somebody else to do that. Where I've been kind of living with one, one foot in and one foot out. And I'm going to ask two questions this morning. And in response to those questions, I want you to raise your hand because and I'm not going to make you do anything weird or call you out or, or embarrass you in any way. But it's important to acknowledge. And I think it's important physically to acknowledge because we can point to moments in our life where we can say, that was a moment where I chose this or this was a moment that God did this in my life. So if you're here this morning and, and you're being honest and you say, you know what, there's hurts in my heart that I've had towards the church that I want God to heal, or I haven't really taken responsibility for my personal growth or my own maturity or any number of things, if that's you, would you just put your hand up in this place? I wanna, we wanna pray and ask God, God, change us. Do something new in our hearts. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. The second question is this. If you're, you're here this morning, you can say, Tony, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one. Or maybe you've had one in the past, but it's grown cold and stagnant, and you need to get life right with the Lord this morning. If that's you, would you put your hand up this morning? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. If you just raise your hand, you need to get your life right with the Lord. I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to say a prayer like it in your own heart. God's not looking for a formula. He's just looking for a, a surrender of your heart, of your being. So, Lord, this morning we just do that. God, we come before you, and we just submit ourselves to you, Jesus. Precious Jesus, the one who gave it all for us so that we could have a relationship with you, God. So, Lord, we stop this morning. We stop pursuing the things of this world. We stop pursuing and running after sin. And, Lord, we start pursuing you, Jesus. And all those things fall away in light of you. So, God, we pursue you. God, we pray you wash us clean. And, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Seal it in Jesus' name. And empower these people to live out for you, live their life out for you the way you've called them to. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those this morning who have either been hurt by the church, Lord, I pray today that for wholeness, for healing in Jesus' name, for an accurate picture of the things that, the events that transpired, Lord, and, and I ask for your perspective on it in Jesus' name. And we pray for healing and restoration, Lord. We pray for just such a deep love for this church. God, for those of this place who have kind of been maybe coasting and haven't taken responsibility for their own maturity or their... Their, their, their walk with you, their personal growth, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name for just a deep resolve in their heart, Lord, to know you more, God. That together we come and we help encourage and equip, but ultimately we're each responsible for our walk with you, Lord. So I pray, God, for consistency in Jesus' name. I pray for a persistence, God, that we would continue on even when it gets difficult, even when things don't feel spiritual. God, for those in this place who have struggled with offense, 
for different people. Lord, I pray for, for just healing and deliverance from that today. In Jesus' name, I pray for just a restoration of relationship in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for this family that you've given us as a gift. This worldwide church from all over, God, different backgrounds, different walks of life, all under the banner of Jesus. We thank you, God, for this gift. And I pray that we would steward it well, Lord. I pray that we would steward it well. We would protect culture, God. We would run after the things that you have and not our own carnal things, God. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the Life Church Podcast. 